0: Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you chose just to to try to answer any automotive questions you may have, just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Or anywhere in the world, for that matter. There you go. Put a world code on there. I think it's At 01. 01. Yeah. I believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I got an email over the holidays. The guy was saying, "What is that sound? Sounds like some kind of aircraft or something." Uh-huh. When you first start, you show up, and right. I said, "What that is? That's a B seventeen bomber cranking up. They had four engines on it. They crank them one at a time, mm-hmm. and that is what that sound is. Just in case you <laughs> didn't realize that, I didn't huh? realize what it was." <laughs> So yeah, give us a call two nine one sixty nine zero one. Always love hearing from me. Of course, we're live and in person in the studio. Yeah, we are very two recorded shows before. Yeah, very first show of the the new year. That's right. Of course, I'll be right in two thousand twenty. I guess for oh for at least six months. Yeah, till normally I usually to get that straight <laughs> somewhere around June, July. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> start, start filling out the checks and stuff. Yeah, uh, kind of messes things up for a few days. Well. Yeah. <laughs> More. That's <laughs> what, what you going to do. Huh? That's it. I'll see. We got a phone call here. Right. Let's see who we got online. We got Randy online. Good morning, Randy. Hey,
1: morning, Lewis. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Hey, I'm driving through of in the woods. I live in Alabama, driving to Houston. And uh. I listen to your podcast. I enjoy the heck out of it. Well, thank you you. I don't know who gets credit for, for the commercials, but they are fantastic.
0: <laughs> you know, I got a guy named Jeff English who has been with me doing my commercials Oh, Oh, for 20 years at least. Jeff started out as an assistant at a big advertising firm, and I liked him so well that when he left there, I went with him, and then eventually he started his own company, a company called Creative English. And he does all the spots, so he gets credit for all that.
1: (laughs) I'm telling you, I enjoy it. I listen to you all the time, and I still laugh at the salon and all those guys. <laughs> hey, I, I, I did have a car question. Go yeah. ahead. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate when you give advice too. But you don't give a bunch of BS, and and you got to put some kind of you know stuff into oil treatment. Right. And all that I've got a real. I only buy. I've got four kids. and so I, I buy a lot of older cars and we run them till they're they're ragged. Mm-hmm. I've got a O nine Sonata. I've got Santa Fe. Okay. So it's got the three point five. And every time I crank that thing up cold, I get a tremendous amount of valve rattle out of it. Hmm. I, I regularly change my oil. The person I bought it from was one owner. Mm-hmm. He was particular about oil changes. I'm thinking with 180,000 miles, it's just
0: wear. Yeah, probably. Um, and, and, you know, it may not be valve noise at all. What it may be is the timing chain rattling in. Yeah. That's kind of common on that one. How loud is the noise, and does it go away once it once it cranks up?
1: Yeah, it's about two or three seconds.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. probably
0: part of that val- That there's a variable cam timing sprocket on that thing. And what happens until the oil pressure gets up there, it'll rattle like that. And, you know, assuming you got the right oil and the right oil filter on it, it's more or less just going to be noise that's going to be in the mm-hmm. engine due to the mileage. You know, not a whole lot can be done about that other than a rebuild. And, frankly, you may be able to drive it just like it is for another five years. I that's probably funny. wouldn't be overly concerned about it. There's no additive or anything you can do that's going to help to any degree. I mean, it's, it's sort of like an old person. Just they can still do everything they got to do. It Just takes a little bit longer, you know. Yeah, just Kinda like a, me. Right. <laughs> just just be me too. just be general got, with it when you crank it up in the morning. Let it do its thing and warm up, and you know, go from there. Yeah, you drive. No, don't it, probably, probably it. A Good ways, fully. Yeah. I mean, eventually it may give you a problem. It may jump timing or may start throwing a code, you know, because it can't control the timing. But until or unless that happens, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it.
1: Man, I appreciate it. Can I get a bonus question here? Yeah, go ahead, man. That Apparently, that truck or car is notorious for a gas gauge uh, level indicator. So it's been having a check engine light, and the gas gauge doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It, it worked poorly for a while, and now it doesn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Do you have any experience on swapping those out?
0: Yeah, most of the time it's going to be the sender unit, and you would need yeah. a scan tool of some sort to make sure it's send sender unit. Because there are some other things. It could be in the wiring. It could be in the gauge itself. But almost always, that's going to be the sender unit. One thing you can do, if you can figure out which lead is the signal lead and the pump and ground that lead and see if the gauge goes all the way to full or all the way to empty, that kind of eliminates everything else. But, yeah, you just got to drop the tank out, and it's going to be down at the top of the tank. It's a big gland nut you turn, and the pump comes out. And That, that you, part usually comes with a pump yeah yeah normally you got to buy the pump to get the sender unit yeah. on most of those you can't just buy the sender unit although you might check and see a few of them they do offer the sending unit separately but really with one hundred eighty thousand miles and you could go to trouble right. dropping and i'd probably just put a pump in it pump anyway sending unit assembly and, and put it back together and forget about it yeah you
1: know? i think they knew this is going to be a problem they've got it's got two sending units okay and it's got access in the back <laughs>
0: That's I even better. Plan-
1: yeah, a lot of the plan to sell some
0: of those. Yeah, yeah, a lot of your Asian cars do put a panel there, where you don't have to drop a tank out. I know most of your Toyotas are that way. Your Hondas are generally that way. They tend to think about service a little bit more than domestic manufacturers do. Yep.
1: Hey man, you guys do a great job. You're totally entertaining, and you don't. You know, like I say, you just give it to people straight. So keep up a good work. Oh, we
0: sure do it, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, see you. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number you want to of the automobile, I would love to have you. Just give us a call. You know, dropping some of those gas tanks in some of the modern vehicles mm-hmm. are really a nightmare. Really? Yes. Like your your little Cadillac. I'm not sure if it's a CTS or DTS. It's a little small Cadillac. Right. It's got the dual sump tanks on it. Okay. It's got the transfer pump that transfers it across because mm-hmm. the drive shaft goes through the middle. goes through the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So you you got to take the drive shaft out. The tank is made in such a configuration that the pump is sitting higher than the, the lower part of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it almost looks like an afterthought, you know? Well, it, it probably was. You know, they, they, the way they, they designed the car and said, well, you know, we need to put a drive shaft through here. Dorn.
2: Yeah. Redesign a, the whole fuel yeah, yeah, system. Yeah,
0: yeah. They, they do that a lot, particularly on some of those cars. I always know as Cadillac is always more or less the experimental branch uh-huh, of, GM. of GM. They right. tend to get the newest stuff first. first Right. and sometimes that's worked out well for them sometimes not so well i remember back way going way way back you remember that old 468 v8 uh-huh. engine they had and this yeah. was the pre-runner of the modern variable displacement that displacement we got now. on demand but this right. was all mechanical and it was nothing but a nightmare oh, it, it was. just never really worked out well but yeah cadillac like always tends to get the first edition of everything mm-hmm. for some reason i don't know i guess who knows uh, who knows what, what, whatever <laughs> reasons you know yeah but uh yeah I'll, i never really want 1.0 no you know, I want no, like definitely 1, not. 1.5 or something <laughs> i never want that first year of a car just because in any of model like, maker yeah, of any any maker model yeah. or anything else you yeah, always want like 1.5 or right right that first one always seems to be an experiment <laughs> to me you know just, let them get the bugs worked out of it and then we'll we'll invest in it yeah, you know they do that i guess over the years many many times where they come out with something and Sounded like a good idea. Sure. Looked good on paper. Just didn't work out that well. I remember way, way back, the variable Venturi carburetor. And if you remember that, they were trying to meet the emission uh-huh. standards and all that kind of stuff. And a carburetor was right at the very edge of what it could possibly do. Sure. It just couldn't do anymore. But they knew that in a couple of years they were going to injection. So they wasn't going to put a whole lot of effort into it. And they came out with what they call a variable Venturi carburetor. Right. Ford pushed this thing pretty heavy. And, I mean, you could not keep these cars running. No. And you couldn't fix the things. And I guess those are all way, way gone. This was back in the... Oh, back in the mid-'80s, huh? Oh, probably or way before that. that. Yeah, this is probably in the 70s sometime. Now, the one I'm thinking of is the, the Rochester, you know, old Quadrajet? Yeah. That they tried to electrify? Yeah. Had the solenoid in it yeah. and all the yeah. electronics yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was late 80s. Right towards the end of the run, they knew they were going to inject. Sure. That was going to solve all the problems. So they were just piece-parting, patching, trying to get trying something Trying to get by would... till the injection came out. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you get these things, and, and unfortunately, all the folks who end up with this vehicle... Right. They're just stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we're going to go ahead and take our first little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more in the Automotive Hour. If you ever
1: plan to move Mimi, your hair is so cute. Who cuts it? Oh, thanks. I got a guy for you. Here's his card. It just says Fallon. Oh, no. It's Fallon. Well, uh, Fallon doesn't have a number on his card. I know. Appointments with Fallon are referral only. But I must cut a lock of your hair. Deliver it to Fallon. He will put it under his pillow for a week, and your style and cut will come to him in a vision. Seems like old Fallon has quite a gig going.
2: Today, everybody's got a guy. If you're looking for an automotive guy, I Think Agco Automotive. No complications, just quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, they complete an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so you can budget for the year and keep your car in tip-top shape. So,
1: how much does Fallon charge for a cut? That will come to him in a vision, too.
2: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. You're joining the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you calling. And number 291 There you go. And should you happen not to get your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You just click the button and fill out the little form that pops up and hit the send button. There you go. It could be an easier than that. And you're gonna ask back within twenty four hours, sometimes sooner, just sometimes how many times I happen to be sitting at the computer in given any given day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every week we try to do some kind of a topic, or uh-huh. guideline, I guess right. you'd say, to follow just so we don't babble all over ourselves. And As always, you're never limited to that topic. If you have something on your mind, you give us a call and we'll We'll be glad to help help you out. out. But I thought today we'd talk a little bit about frame and chassis repair because that was sort of the core business of ACO, Right. Back in the day. Expanded into many other things over the years, but that was where we really started out was with the frame and alignment portion of it. And we still do a fair amount of that. Still do a fair amount of that. I guess people will say, well, how can the frame get bent on a car? Yeah. And obviously, the first thing is a wreck. Uh huh. People Think of a wreck or an accident of some sort. And that is one way that they do get damaged. Sometimes it was wrecked, and it just didn't get addressed. It didn't get fully addressed. And so now right. there are symptoms, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Another thing is that you may have what is kind of a collision, but not really something you think of as a collision. Exactly. You or, know, say curb. Right. You know, they got these 4-inch curbs here around town mm-hmm. or some of the potholes that are actually 6 or 8 inches, 10 inches right. deep sometimes. Right, right. You hit that with a part of the suspension, and it kind of drives it back in the wheel opening. Well, well that, now, that wheel is traveling 40, 50, 60 miles an hour. It's got two, 2,500 to 4,000 pounds of, of weight course. pushing it. And what happens is that wheel drops this pothole for a split second. It stops moving. Mm-hmm. And all this inertia is going to carry it on through. But, yeah, that can do a pretty significant amount of damage it to can. the car. It can. And, of course, there are other things. Improperly towing a car. Sometimes a car will run off the road, get into the mud, somehow throw a chain around something that they really probably shouldn't. shouldn't have put a chain on. Exactly. Yank on it, and you can cause damage that way. So there's any number of ways your car can sustain chassis or frame right. damage. Other than an accident. Other than an accident. And we're going to talk about that a little more. Let's go back to our phone lines with Jim. Good morning, Jim. Good
3: morning. I've been looking at tires, and I noticed that Michelin and others. At the big box stores and the tire dealers, they're all different. They are. Is there a significant difference between one of the big box stores and one of the regular tire store?
0: Yes, sir. What happens is that the, the guys, I'm not going to pick anybody's name or, or talk about anybody on radio, but what they do, they'll go to, say, Michelin, and they'll say, we've got a P.O. here for seven seventy million million, and we need a tire this size that we can sell for this amount of money and make this much profit on. And so what ends up happening in that case is that Michelin will build a tire for them that meets their specifications. I've never really agreed with that. I've I always thought if you're going to make a quality product, it ought to be a quality product. If you got your name so, on it, it ought to stand. Across the line. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to say there's anything inherently wrong with them, but it is a different tire than what you're going to get necessarily from a Michelin dealer. Right. So, you know, you are getting a Michelin-made tire, but it's kind of one that's built, And it's sort of like if you go to some of the big department stores and you buy one of the store brand refrigerators or washing machines, it may be a washer, but if you ever notice if it breaks and you go try to get parts, you got to go back to that store because the parts are not going to fit because Uh it's different. It was built for a purpose. It was built for this store as their model of tire. So are they the worst thing in the world? No. Is it the exact same tire you would get from Mr. Dealer? No. Mm -hmm. And a big, big part that a lot of folks don't realize with tires, you pay a much higher price than just the price you pay for the tire. If the people who are mounting it don't know how to properly mount it because they're improperly trained or if they don't know how to balance it properly, right. you, you can, can destroy a perfectly good tire. Take a brand seconds. new high-quality tire right. and destroy it by mounting it improperly exactly. or balancing it improperly. And a lot of times you end up with situations where the customer's unsatisfied. Many times they will bring them to us because we're a mission dealer. And first thing I gotta tell, I'm sorry, this is right. not a mission tire that I can service. It goes through their own network. Mm-hmm. And well, I've been back there five times. Well, yeah, and, I'm sorry. So yeah, that's what you bought. Yeah, you, you just gotta watch. It's, it's like and one that, of those things. It, the old saying is you never, uh, what was it, uh, you get what you pay for, but you and never get I it? would like to revise that to say you never get more than you pay for. There you go. You know, you don't always get what you pay for. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you pay for it, you still don't get it, but you never get more than you pay for. And one thing that comes to mind when you're buying tires, always check the dates on them. Yes, because you could be buying a three or four year old tire that's been sitting in the warehouse for that's that right. long. And you're not getting the freshest tire out there. Yeah, you got a six-year service life on a tire. And if you don't put a lot of miles in your car and you're buying a tire that's already three years old, it's probably going to expire before way, before you get enough miles to wear it out. Exactly. And that's a big concern. I so. see that in the stores around. Yeah. They'll actually sell two three, maybe four-year-old tires versus a, a better business that checks that kind of thing yeah. when the tires arrive at the store. Right. You know, they go through the stock. They say, wait a minute, this tire is three years old. We cannot sell this tire. And sometimes the wholesalers will discount this tire to certain people. Well, and and they'll buy it. As long as the customer understands, hey, you're buying a three-year-old tire at a 30% discount. Well, I'm not saying a discount to the customer. I'm saying a discount from the wholesaler to to the the, the retail store. store. Yeah, Yeah. And he may just sell it to you full price. (laughs) That's very possible. So you need to check that kind of thing. You have to be aware of that. That's just one of those little things that can come back and bite you. Sure. Yeah, we had a lady who had come in not too, too long ago, and we checked her car, and the tires were, I don't know, seven years old. Mm-hmm. It's starting to dry rot pretty bad. And I told her, I said, you're going to need to replace it. Well, I just bought tires. And I said, well, no, these tires are seven years old. Uh-huh. So anyway, she goes back, finds the invoice, and she hadn't just bought them. She bought them about three years right. previous, but they were four years old when she got them. Yeah,
3: so, there you, go.
0: you know, she's a little miffed about it. She doesn't put a lot of miles on a car. She probably put 2,500, 3,000 miles. Year, so it's low use, but the tires were seven years old, so they're no longer safe to operate. Exactly. And I explained to her, and she understood once did, but it's just one of those things you gotta watch. Sometimes you get burned with your eyes wide open. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, we were talking a little bit about frame Uh and chassis damage and frame chassis repair and that sort of thing. And there is generally always gonna be a symptom that you notice. It's gonna manifest in one way or another. But it may not be something you relate back to What happened? That, For instance, you may have, and let's go back and say we hit a curb with the car. Okay. And it blew the tire out, maybe bent the wheel. So we go and we get another tire, we get another wheel, we put it on the car, and we take it to the alignment shop, and they align the front end, so everything seems to be fine. But not too, too long, maybe six months, a year later, the CV joint on that wheel fails.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So... We say, well, you know, it's just a CV joint. Maybe it just fails. So you put a new one on there. Well, another six, 12 months, it goes out again. Well, maybe I got a bad one. So you go and you get another one, you put it on there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then another six, 12 months, it fails again. Well, this is where you got to stop. You got to say, wait a minute, we got something else going on here. Exactly. Three failed parts, this, three parts that failed in the same way Yeah. on the same vehicle, yeah. something's wrong. Yeah, and that's where you need to start looking and it could be that something was knocked out of place. This thing's running at the at improper angle. angle. So that is one sign of a of a possible mm-hmm. frame and line problem. Another one would be a vibration or a shimmy or shake that you just can't track down. You've had the tires bounce. You've done all the things, but it's still there. You know, the thing I see most of the time is, let's say that scenario happened. The car has been taken to a shop and the alignment has been set. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of alignments, per se, is, hey, it's all in the green. It must be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily so. You have to look at the numbers. You have to understand what the numbers mean that you're looking at and what the vehicle is actually doing. Well, and the relationship one number to another. Exactly. And where they fall within the specification range. Because the specification range may be a full degree, one way. You know, Half the middle of it is where Just you half. want to be. One may be on the top of the spec. The other may be on the bottom of the spec. Well, technically, they're both within specifications, but there's a degree of difference from side to side. Exactly. So the, so car the car's not going to handle right. It. Yeah, that's another big thing. And, unfortunately, a lot of places you will go, and, again, I'm not talking bad about anybody, right. but they've got a guy, and somebody showed him kind of sort of what to do, who kind of sort of knew what they were doing, and he left, and somebody else showed it. And you got trainees training trainees. And all they know is put this on here, do this, push this button, and look at if these colors are green and it's okay and mm-hmm. if they're red. And then many times they don't even check things that can't need be, be adjusted. Checked. Right. Because it's an effort to check each different angle in the front end. There's a bunch of angles in the front end. We're not going to get into all that today. But... Well, and that being said, mm-hmm. if, let's say the caster's back on the right side because we hit a pothole, right? Well, it's still in the green, but the vehicle's pulling to the right. Mm-hmm. Well, the left one is still in the correct place. So something had moved, but although we could set it back in the green, doesn't mean it's correct. That's right. Yeah, you may have an adjustment that you can adjust for damage, but damage is still there. Exactly. So now maybe the drive axle's running at a bad angle. Maybe the ball joint's at an improper angle. And there's there's so many angles on today's cars that you can't set anymore. Right. They're and, not adjustable anymore. And because they're not adjustable doesn't mean they don't need to be checked. Exactly. Because what happens, the manufacturers have slowly improved their manufacturing capabilities where they can almost build a car in alignment sure right now and all they have to do is set maybe the toe in so run it out so it's very tempting to them to leave the adjustments off and i heard a engineer tell me one time he says parts left off cost nothing and cause no service problems <laughs> so they want to leave as many pieces off as they can sure if it's an adjustment number one somebody has to adjust it right which involves more well, time somebody, in the manufacturing. somebody's process. got to install it install it then it's got to be adjusted right and then it There's has a possibility to be if it's adjusted, it could slip, mm-hmm. which is going to cause it's them a happened. problem. So what they do is they build it in alignment with no adjustment capability. It's going to stay in alignment until something changes. Exactly. Whether that be an accident or parts wear out or it gets torn somewhere right. down what, the road. Whatever. whatever. But unfortunately, what a lot of people in the industry take this to me as well it's not adjustable so we don't have to worry about it exactly and that's Which not is right. totally wrong you still have to worry about it it's just the procedure is going to involve diagnosing why it's out of adjustment instead of and just that, adjusting it that's where most of your shops fail right there they just not trained to do that kind mm-hmm. of work and they, they have not involved themselves in doing that kind of work so they don't have that kind of a diagnostic culture right somebody that has done framework before mm-hmm. has that Mindset right. when they get started. You have a whole different way of looking at things. We're going to talk about that a lot more. We've got to take our second quick little break. Be right back after that. <laughs>
1: Linda, I've been so tense lately. Can you recommend a masseuse? Oh, have I got a massage guy, Johan Thundercloud. He's Swedish, Native American who uses classic deep tissue massage with natural healing methods. That sounds interesting. His deep tissue green pine cone massage is amazing, along with the piercing eagle claw technique. Working your muscles with a rhythmic screech. Ah! When you hear that, you know it's working. I
2: bet. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, check out the team at AGCO Automotive. We keep it simple with high-quality maintenance and repairs you can trust. And don't forget about AGCO's General Inspection, an annual checkup to diagnose problems and schedule maintenance so your car will perform for the long term.
1: One thing, though. Do you bleed easily? What? Johan will want to know.
2: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your check. General inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
1: Hey, welcome back the is going
2: to the the, hour. the the Automotive
0: Army. Host mind Louis Aldazan with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate being here Saturday morning, Wilts. Yes, we do. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Let's go to our phone line. Steve, good morning, Steve. Good morning, guys. How y'all doing?
3: Doing, doing great, great, sir. great. Before I ask my question, I was just wondering, a uh, second what that first caller said. You guys do a great job here, Al. Uh, treasure trove of information and just a wonderful resource for for us here to have at well, thank our you. disposal when it comes to automobile maintenance. But mm-hmm. I want to uh, follow up on the tire issue. Mm-hmm. If, if I recall, Lewis you said like, when big box retailer A puts in a whatever $50 million order for, say, Michelin tires, right? I, I think he said you may not be, even though the tires have the same specs as the one you would buy from say the michelin store you may not be getting exactly the same tire
0: you very well may not many times michelin like say you go to me to michelin and say look i got 50 million bucks here i want tires this size that i can sell for this amount and make this much profit on and then michelin Uh will manufacture a tire for them and generally the designations on the sidewall will be slightly different they will be very similar but they'll be slightly different than the tire you're get from a Michelin dealer. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with them per se. I'm just saying they're going to be different from what you're going to get from a Michelin dealer. Well,
3: and that's, that's what my question was getting at, too. what, Where are they different or what's different? Are they cutting back on material or what?
0: You know, I can't answer that, and Michelin won't answer that. But okay. But it's just by giving it a different destination, they can tell you it's a different tire. I mean, I don't know what the specific differences are. My suspicion would be that if they're making a tire that comes in at a lower price in the same size and all that, something's getting yeah. cut somewhere. But again, you know, I don't know. I have seen the tires come from big box stores and if they are mounted right, balanced right, aligned right, they'll give good, good service. Yep. Then I've problems. seen others with problems. And was it the tire that caused problems? problem? Or was it the fact they didn't mount it right? Was the tire they didn't balance it right? The majority of people who come in to us and they have a tire issue. A tire where it's vibrating, and we start checking, and we notice the tires are out of round. And yeah. it's a Michelin tire, because you hardly ever see that on a Michelin tire. They just don't have a lot of trouble with out of round with Michelin, just the way they manufacture them. That, when you get it on the... Weren't but, mounted and balanced? Yeah, it's almost right. always going to be one of the tires. It did not come from a Michelin dealer. It came from one of the big box stores. Maybe that's a, just a coincidence, and it, maybe it's yeah. just they're not mounting them right. I don't know. But yeah. the ones that I have seen that had problems were generally never the ones that come from the Michelin dealers. Okay, okay.
3: So if you want to be 100% certain you're getting 100% top-of-the-line Michelin-quality tire, buy it from a Michelin dealer.
0: Well, you know, that's my idea, but, I mean, I'm not yeah. going to say there aren't some big-box stores that do a fine job. I'm sure they are. But as yeah. a general rule, a tire dealer who is dedicated to doing tires is going to be one thing. And a big box store, I mean, if you look at every time you go in there, you're going to generally see different people in the service department. Right. You're, you're rarely going to walk in there and see the same guy that was in there three years ago when you got bought your last set. Yeah. You know, you exactly. take like Brian, who does the alignment stuff at Ag, who's been there 30 years. Same guy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you just, you get in a little different situation, in my opinion. And it's kind of like almost everything in the automotive business, you can't ever say anything with absolute certainty because everything varies right you got a guy tell me man dealerships do a horrible job I said, well no some dealerships do some do a good job you know it just depends right. on the mindset of the owner of that dealership and the tech yeah. working on the, and the tech working on the car you and, know, and a I've, thousand other variables i've seen some really poor dealerships have great technicians yeah and yeah. it's just the technician wants to do better than, He's the, just than the shop is actually allowing yeah and, you know, wow. again, there are some that do do a really they good are. job. Just like independent shops. There's some poor independent shops. There's some really good independent shops. So, yeah. it's kind of, there's no hard, homework, I guess. Yeah, no hard sure. and fast rule that you can go by that's going to say, well, every time this is going to apply. So. Well, and the time to find a shop is not when you need one. Yeah. The, the time to find right. a shop is before you need it. Yeah, you like know? like Jack right. Kennedy said, you don't start looking for a roofer whenever you have a roof leaking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. All right, but that just that just intrigues me about the way they you know might have a slight differences in tires when you have these mega size orders. Yeah, yeah.
0: where are you calling from, Steve? I'm in Baton Rouge. Okay, okay. you're in Baton Rouge. Yeah, oh, good. Good, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. Okay, thank y'all. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number if you want. Part of Automotive Fire, we'd certainly love to have you. And we we're talking a little bit about frame uh-huh. and alignment and that kind of stuff. And when you Say framework, like I said, most people are going to automatically assume a wreck. Sure. And, again, that does happen, and we were talking during the break about you may have a body shop that they get a car in, and it's hitting the front end, and the front end moved over. The two frame rails moved over in the front. Right. They're no longer in line with the rest of the frame. And the whole cross member moved because it bent back at the cowl area. Right. But if you take and grab the two front frame horns and bend them back into position, Without pulling the cross member. Without back addressing wheel. the cross member. The cross member may stay out of position, but yet the two points in the very front of the car and two points of the cow are now in line with each other. So the front end sheet metal will all fit. Exactly. The fenders will fit, the hood will fit, and everything appears to be okay, but the cross member is still out of place. So it's no longer in line with the back wheels. Right. So it looks like it's kinda of dog tracking down the road. That's one of the things that can cause a car to dog track uh-huh. down the highway. There's always going to be a symptom, but it's going to generally be a subtle symptom. Right. It's something you, you have to, to kind of note what you're what looking, you're looking for. for. Another big thing we see is where the frame of a vehicle, and when I say frame, I'm talking about the chassis because most cars do not have a separate frame. They're right. mostly, mostly unit, the unit body. body vehicles nowadays. But where the frame of the unit body gets twisted. And a twist is a little bit hard to visualize because it's not a two dimensional thing, it's a three dimensional thing. Exactly. But if you could imagine a ladder. Right. Where you've got two rails and then the rungs in between. A frame is sort of like that. The rungs of the ladder are the cross members. The two rails are the two rails of the thing. Mm-hmm. Let's say four giants grab this ladder, one on each of the ends, of, the ends of, it. of it. And two of them diagonal to each other, push one way, and the other two push the other way. And it just twists the whole ladder through the center. Mm-hmm. That can happen on a car, too, fairly easily. And the first thing you going to notice, generally the car will start to lean. Because now the four springs are not carrying the same amount of weight. Right. you got two trying to carry almost all the weight, and the other two aren't carrying their share of the weight. So it wants to kind of lean toward the lower side. Right. We get that a lot. People will start to notice their car is leaning one way or other, mm-hmm. And you, the first thing they want to do, to, well, I'm going to put a set of shocks on it. Well, that's totally wrong because a shock shock absorber does not support the weight of the car right it controls the rebound it only controls jounce and rebound it complies to wherever the spring puts it Mm -hmm. so a lean in a car will never ever ever be a shock absorber and it's very, very rarely a spring. It's hardly ever going to be one of the springs. I, I have seen a few go bad, but very rarely. One spring could theoretically fail, but both the springs chances. went down the same exact road. Exactly. And they generally go fail in pairs. The whole rear of the car will squat down, the whole front of the car will squat down. That may be a fatigue set of springs. Very rarely will you see one, one spring, spring right. fail that is usually, and cause a lean.
3: That is usually an indication of a twisted frame. Yeah, you
0: can easily diagnose that by taking the springs. They're generally going to be the same side to side, just cross them side to side. Right. Vehicle continues to lean, then it's not, not, spring. not spring. It could be the pocket. The pocket could be pushed up. You know, I have seen vehicles get launched in the air, and when they come back down, right. the force of the spring pushes the pocket up inside the frame so the pockets are no longer level right well if the pockets aren't level the springs can't be that's right so it gets it leans and just one of those things that we get a lot of times we get it i guess after the fact many sure. many times somebody's already changed this they changed that to change the other and no one ever related it back to the fact that the car was wrecked or ran in a ditch or, mm-hmm. or whatever one of the things that caused that someone to run off the road so that one wheel is hanging down and the other wheel is kind of up in the air and that in itself can cause a twist. Sure. But then if the record driver comes along, grabs one of those frame rails, and you yanks pull. on it while it's in that position, very, then very easily twist it. And, again, going back to our example of a ladder, you know, it's designed to where it's got a lot of strength. And you know, we took a ladder and, and put it across something, you could walk across it because sure. it's got a lot of strength that way. But it's not a lot of strength to keep it from twisting because it's not designed to ever be twisted. Same thing with a car or a truck. It's designed to roll down a flat road. Mm-hmm. And so it has very little chance of being twisted unless the loading on these tires gets it's off. Off. It doesn't take that much it, it to doesn't, twist one. It doesn't necessarily show up too much in a unibody, but it shows up more in a frame tr- vehicle mm-hmm. like a pickup truck. Right. Because the bed is separate from the cab. If you've ever gone down the road and you looked at the tailgate of a pickup truck mm-hmm. and it does not align with the back with the glass. Back window of the truck. Those two points should align. The top of the tailgate and the bottom yeah, of the if glass. Yeah, you just look right along the back of that tailgate and it ought to align right with the glass. lower yourself to where you're seeing the back of the glass. They ought to both be in line with each other. Right. And if they're not, that's if kind they're, of an indication twist it with each other and there's one's running one way one's running the other way then that is definitely an indication of, of a, a twist, twist in the frame of mm-hmm. the truck so if you got a lean situation where your vehicle's leaning one way or the other most of the time you could end up having to find a chassis shop sure to repair that and you need to find somebody that can actually check that angle right because there's a special set of uh, gauges we use to to check those angles with. Well, again, you you can you can't measure that with a tape measure. No, because there's no not, there's no reference to see. point to measure down to. Right. I mean, theoretically, there's what they call the datum line, which is the line that's an, an imaginary line. It's imaginary line. imaginary line that you use with these set of special gauges. Right. So, hey, we're gonna take our third quick little break. Be right back with more on the automotive hour.
2: Hey Mike, I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh yeah, I got a shrimp guy, but there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned firework standoff Louisiana 1, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds.
1: Well, that's
2: oddly specific.
1: It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at AGCO Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with AGCO's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use?
2: Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok?
1: Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. You just joining us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co pilot seat. Hey, tools we can trying to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call, 291 6900. That's right. We of course, still have put a time. 225 in front of there. If you're outside of our calling local area. calling area, there you go. And we are live and in-person in the studio today, so this is a good, good time to come in. It is. Next week, who knows? <laughs> you may not be able to get your call after. Trouble. There you go. You may have to go to the website and get a question. That's right. Just give us a call. I'm glad to try to help you out. We've got plenty of time left. That's it. We're talking a little bit about frame and suspension and alignment mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Now, you can also get suspension parts that are bent, and they may be bent in such a way that, that they don't necessarily affect one thing, but they may affect something else. Exactly. And what uh, comes to mind is like a, a spindle on a car will bend sometimes in a collision or hit a pothole. It may still be in alignment well enough where you can line the front end. Mm-hmm. But now the hole, the bore in the center, may be out of round just slightly, maybe a thousandth of an inch. Right. But now when you press a wheel bearing into this bore, which is out of round, now you've got two points opposite each other, which are carrying more load than together. the opposite two points. So you start to have wheel bearings fail on you. Right. How many times we run across stuff like that? All the time. Another thing is, let's say, the steering arm, which is a part of the knuckle that comes off and hooks to the tie rod. If you strike the wheel hard enough, you may bend the steering arm. Now you've got an adjustment for tire on a tire loss for toe, and right. it's generally a pretty extensive adjustment. Normally a half inch either way. It'll carry a, a vast amount of camber because the the most positive camber you can put on it, you still have to have adequate threads still left in the, right. the sleeve for toe. So it covers a vast range right. of positive negative camber mm-hmm. adjustment and. If that arm is not in line with the other arm, you start getting turning angles that are right, right. now. But you can still set the toe because you've got a toe adjust. The adjustment. toe may set. The cast or the camera may set. But now what they call toe-on-turns. Toe on turns. And those when the tires start to turn, the inside tire is going around a smaller circle than, than the, the outside. outside tire. Correct. Just because you've got the width of the car in between. So the inside wheel has to turn about one and a half to two, two degrees, degrees tighter than the outside wheel. That's controlled by the angle of the steering arm. It's called Hotchkiss angle. And the way those two arms work, if you drew a line right down through those two arms, they would intersect right in the center of the rear end or where the wheels are in the back. Mm-hmm. And that causes the wheels to turn at differing rates as you turn. Now, if you get one of those steering arms bent, you may set caster camera in tow. But every time you turn the wheel, you're wearing your tires. Right. And come back with one tire that's worn out and nobody can figure out why. And that's when it ends up in in my shop <laughs> <laughs> That's right. and it just takes somebody who knows what they're looking for because if you were trained to set the caster camera in tow and possibly even if it doesn't have adjustments you just set what you can set right and in many cases they don't even check the other angles so they're not going to automatically go in and check toe on turns even if they have the wherewithal to do it because it's not anything they can adjust so they figure well i can't adjust it watch that check it right but it affects tire wear it's going to affect tire wear the same thing with a vehicle that's let's just pick on a rear wheel drive vehicle mm-hmm. it's got maybe a straight rear axle on it say a chevy pickup truck okay. just as an example it's got a straight rear end in it well you can't adjust that obviously it's a straight solid right. housing There's no adjustment but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be checked right because you still need to know where the tracking set mm-hmm. is the tracking correct is the total toe correct is it the total toe correct with the tracking there's three angles there you need to check just Mm -hmm. because they're all three of them are not they all have to correlate together and what that does is that provides a base to line the front to right first you set the rear you want the rear wheel standing up straight pointing straight and pointing straight with the center line of the car exactly then you set the front to the rear now you've got something that you can work with now let's say the rear end is not being checked we've had trucks come in where Maybe the guy ran off the road. So Maybe he was trying to tow somebody. He mm-hmm. threw a chain around that rear-end housing, thinking it was a big, massive piece of steel. Sure.
2: That sure, housing
0: well, may be three inches in diameter, but that is mild steel. Right. Very, very thin mild steel. It will give. It will give. You and throw a chain around the center of it, yank on it, you bend the rear-end housing. Now you set the toe from pointing straight ahead to both the wheels are pointing in. Or pointing out. Or pointing out, depending bent. on how it's bent. And so, it starts eating the tires up. Right, in fact, I had a gentleman last couple of months ago came in with mm-hmm. one like that, yeah, and it had gotten hit so hard that the axle shaft itself was bent, mm-hmm. and it bent the housing, mm-hmm. so we had to straighten all that out, change the axle shaft, straighten the house yeah, straight the housing housing can out. be straightened we, we straighten a lot of those, sometimes they do have to be replaced if they're too bad. But yeah, you, that can be corrected. But if it's not being checked, nobody knows. It's now, if you're addressed. rotating your tires fairly regularly, you may not even know where the tire wear is coming from. Exactly, and most would assume it's coming off the front because that's, that's where everything, generally where it comes from. Right. So yeah, we'll get people coming in and say, "Man, I keep getting my car aligned, keeps wearing tires out," and the guy at alignment shop says nothing wrong. Well, you put it up, and you check, and the rear end's towed out a quarter of an inch. Sure. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's going to wear tires. It's going to wear tires. And he said, well, why didn't he catch that? I said, well, I don't know why he didn't catch it. He's probably not checking the real why not? I said, because it's not adjustable. It's not. So right. he just doesn't feel as a reason to check it. Or if he does check it, maybe he just overlooks it or says, well, there's nothing I can do about it. No, you so, say anything right. about it. But, yeah, that kind of stuff does happen. And that's where you get vehicles that have been brought into some place and checked over and again. And there's still a problem existing. We used to see that on brand-new vehicles sometimes. We did, because the way they used to transport vehicles, they'd throw a chain around the rear axle and snatch it down real hard on the transport vehicle, Mm -hmm. however it was being transported, and they would actually bend suspension parts. Right. Or, or twist the frame. Twist frames. We've seen all kinds of things. And there was probably a guy in a white coat standing there with a clipboard watching them load these sure. trucks when, when they put them on the truck. Sure. But the but first stop. Happened, yeah, first truck stop, you know, he can't go that fast. If he gets up to about 70 miles an hour, his trucks keep on bouncing. Well, he can't go any faster. He's trying to make his time. So he gets in there with a chain binder and binds them on down. Right. Well, he just twisted a whole load of trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember back in the day we was working at the dealership mm-hmm. and a load of Astrovans came right? in. Right. And the axles were bent so bad until the tone wheels were touching the sensors Yeah, on the, in the rear axles. Uh-huh. The, sh- the housings were bent so bad. And, you know, you're supposed to check for that kind of stuff. But, again, you're doing a dealer prep. You're looking for the obvious, the obvious stuff. things that customers, customer's necessarily say. go. And so, generally, it's going to go out there. may or may not have symptoms right away. Eventually, it'll have a problem. Sure. Hopefully, while it's still under warranty. But even if, let's say, the vehicle is, let's say it makes it a year before right. it eats the rear wheel bearing up. You bring it back to the dealership under warranty. You say, "Well, we're in-house and bent. You must have hit something, right?" That's not covered. Yeah, that's not covered. <laughs> that's not covered on your warranty. You got collision damage there. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, now, how are you gonna prove that it didn't when it got bent? Exactly. So, yeah, very, very often that kind of stuff does not get covered under warranty, even though it it should. happened. It did. It did actually happen under warranty. Now, I don't think they really have much of a situation where it was manufactured wrong. Now, you well, know, if, if there was a problem in the manufacturing process, you'd probably have thousands of them out. Sure, there. that's possible they sure. could have screwed up thousands of them made them wrong but if you got one that's wrong and all the rest were not having that problem something are, happened something happened to it after and, it left after it left the manufacturing process mm-hmm. now whether it be on a transport or after a uh, customer bought it you know? right or if it got delivered over there in port allen at the incoming depot and the kid that they hired sure, sure. <laughs> the minimum wage driving it. over there to decide to do a Dukes of Hazard with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it. It's funny we're laughing about that, but I, I would assume that kind of stuff does occur. It does. I've seen brand new cars come in with problems. Sure. Sure. All the time. And you another know, thing we will see, and our shop is in an area where there's lots of dealerships around there. I've seen two dealership techs line up down the end of that street, side by side, and race two cars right down my, and I'm not going to mention names. I was any, just about to say, now. we're not going to mention their names, but uh, it has happened. Yeah, so. you, you can hear them coming down through there. Oh, yeah. And you, know, you get your car back, and you're like, wow, why is it doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it happen with brand new vehicles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. delivery. I'm talking about right off the transport truck, PDI. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but, you know, stuff does happen. It does. And generally, when it happens, it has a symptom right away it's going to get caught but a lot of times things just don't manifest right away exactly you know, you bump a curb with a car and you bend something in the suspension it may take a year or more for the problem to show up sure depending on how how often you drive the vehicle how under con, what conditions you drive the vehicle mm-hmm. uh like you said it may take a while to show up mm-hmm. i had a gentleman come in the other day with a honda he's been fighting in a front end tire wear for two years now mm-hmm And come to find out that where whoever did the body work and everything, they saw the broken ball joint, so they changed it, but the knuckle was also bent. Yeah. Missed the knuckle and, therefore, that much tire wear. And he was telling me, he says, man, this is a lot of money to fix this. I said, well, you need to go back and talk to somebody because this happened during the accident. The accident coverage, you know, when the car got fixed, this should have been covered. Well, and many times you can go back to the insurance company and, and file a supplement. Uh-huh. I mean, if you wait three or four years, it's going to be pretty difficult. But normally within a year, if you've got something that's obviously from a collision, something is bent. Right, and got missed. And just got missed during the repair process, you can go back to the insurance company and do a supplemental claim. Yep. And because, I mean, insurance companies get a bad rap of trying to beat people out of money, but I don't think any of them that I know... Are really trying to beat anybody out of money, or trying to do a bad repair? It's just things get overlooked, and you got to remember these guys have every scam in the world perpetrated on them every day, so they're going to be skeptical by nature. But I've never had an insurance company come into the shop that, if you show them the damage and say this is bent, this probably occurred here, that didn't honor the claim. Right? They they, They, want they 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 want their customers happy like everybody else does. But it's just if it doesn't get uncovered, it can't be documented. You can't expect them to pay exactly. Hey, I see we're just about out of time. we got to get ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find a written view, and fill it out for us. Hey, yo, we really like it when you fill out those written reviews. Number one, it makes feel good about what we're doing. But number two, it moves us up in the rankings. So when somebody types in auto repair, our name comes up close to the top. It that's means more people listen, more people listen, longer we can do the show. There you go. <laughs> Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.